Good morning. Welcome to worship. The Holy Gospel for this first Sunday in Epiphany is from Luke, the third chapter, verses 15 through 17, followed by verses 21 through 22. And this is how it goes. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them saying, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his stressing floor and to gather the wheat into its granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all of the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and he was praying... The heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Let me tell you just a little bit of who I am. I'm, uh, as Steve told you already, I'm doing an intentional interim. I've been doing that for about eight years. I retired ten years ago and went into the oil field for 22 months to members of my three members of my congregation were looking for people who could pass the sobriety test and i was it so on as i as i ended my my time in the pulpit i went to the to the oil fields and bought oil and one of the most interesting things about working in the oil field was that i had many pumpers who were parishioners of mine and many of those had been confirmation members of my church that i had taught confirmation to and and they were awfully accommodating and telling everybody who the fat guy was climbing up the, the ladder and buying oil oil he said that's our pastor and the ministry that opened up for me in the oil fields was absolutely profound. People whose light was diminished because of many things going on in their lives. Huh? One, people who forgot about God's love and God's grace were calling me on the phone and saying, you feel like a pastor at the moment? And if I had just had trouble with the well, I might tell him, not right yet. Call me back in five minutes. I'll get my head on. But then we had a good chance to, to talk about God's love and God's grace. And I, I got to hear about all of their problems. And it was a profound ministry because in that discussion time, I became a pastor within a community of people who were truly hurting and truly in need. Baptism, my friend, is the avenue to God's grace. It is a daily way of living. I stole that from Luther, but also from Al who teaches a wonderful class on, what day is it? Thursday at noon. And these men and a few women forgot that for a while. But as we, as we communicated and as we worked together in the fields, it was uh, a reawakening and a rekindling and a transformation for many people who were indeed at the lowest parts of their lives. When I was a young boy, I, I felt the burning in me to become a pastor and to be like the pastor I had in my, in my church as I was growing up. I liked everything that he did except for his prayers. They were really long. You see, I was an acolyte, and I was an acolyte, of the, uh, and I was the son of the woman who scheduled acolyters. And when someone couldn't acolyte, I acolyted. Huh? And we had church 8, 9, 10, and 11 every... What are you guys doing up at 8 o'clock in the morning anyway? So many times I'd light candles... 
four times a day, and I got to listen to this man talk, not from his notes, but from his guts and from the fire in his body that, that talked about God's grace and love and always talked about how, how much God loved us and cared about us and that in that loving and caring and forgiving that we were called to do the same. Now, in a, in a week, I'll celebrate my 75th birthday. Oh, I'm not that old. Some of you guys are older than that. And in three weeks, I'll celebrate my 25th year of ordination. 75 and only 25, right? What happened? Well, the light in me, that burning, went out as well. I had a fellow who was my best friend, also my disciplinarian, and a one who loved me and cared about me and taught me so much in the church. It was my father. And my father died when I was young, and I was madder than a hornet. I think I said hell last night, and I think that's true. I was really angry with Lord. And I distanced myself as far as I could get away. But God kept pecking at me and reminding me of his love and his care. And at age 46, I finally said, okay, Lord, I give up. And I went to seminary and, and I was uh, ordained uh, two weeks, three weeks after I turned 50 years old. So there's a long journey there. That's why I'm still doing this. I'm not done. I'm reminded today. You know, I write really bad, and I don't have a computer, so I just wrote some notes. I have to discern it. Right, Al? Sometimes you've got to look at things. I'm reminded this day that God is in Jesus, took on human form, and God in Jesus stood in a line with others to be baptized. God comes to us and knows our needs and stands in lines with us, stands in lines of our anticipation. He stands in the lines of our hope. He stands in the life and the lines of our faith. I'm reminded today of God's insistent love. And I was reminded of that again this morning as I came into the church. This is a perfect spot for a baptismal font, is it not? Because it tells us something. It doesn't tell us what happened way back then when we were baptized. It reminds us of that baptism that comes to us every single day. That we die to our old self, that's what Paul says, right? And we are raised up again in new life and the forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when I come past this, this, this font, I dip my fingers in the water of remembrance. And then I make the sign of the cross on my head. And I remind myself that I am a child of God. Imperfect beaten down, sinner, child of God, forgiven, child of God. That in my baptism, I was sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. This water and God's word combined together to, to transform us and to make us new each day in his love and grace so that we might be the same for the people of God, that we might be able to, you know, sometimes that burning in your gut comes to your eyes and the passion in your voice and people can just see that you love Jesus and that they are loved by Jesus as well. I wonder if you couldn't just imagine that you've dipped your finger in the baptismal waters right now. And then I wonder if you wouldn't make the sign of the cross on your forehead. Would you do that? And as you do that, say your name. Go ahead. Say your name. Child of God. 
I am a child of God. That means that Jesus loves you and he's got a hold of you. And he's never going to let you go, none of you. And in this fellow's case, he knows every hair in his head and those that are missing as well. I am reminded as I come into this sanctuary about God's grace and love and a way of living that, that you people show me about and, and, and give to me. I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute, but I want to talk to you about individual baptisms as well and transformations that I have experienced in my lifetime. And the first one is about an uncle whose name was Keith. His last name was Anderson, and he grew up in, in Wisconsin. He grew up in a home of faithful people who loved God and loved Jesus, and of parents who showed that love to he and his other 11 siblings. Quite a few, you know. And my uncle was uh, in the Second World War, and I suspect there was some mental injury from that because he, he died of cirrhosis of the liver when he was in his mid-60s. His mind couldn't get rid of that stuff, and the bottle availed him some opportunities, however short that was in each occasion. And I remember when he was in the vet's hospital in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I was 16, and I had to go pick up my grandfather who was blind and take him there so that he could see his son before he passed away. I shouldn't say I had to, I got to. And as we got there, I, I got him out of the car and I began leading him, and he had to hold on my, my arm, and, and I was kind of going slow. You know, he's an old guy. And he looked at me and he said, are you going slow because I'm blind? I said, yeah pick it up. I got to go see my son. And my grandfather walked into this room, he before me and I behind him. And I remember my uncle looking up, you know, cirrhosis is a tough one. It'll hurt you. It'll make you really painful and a lot of pain. He looked up at my grandfather. He said, Pa, I'm afraid. And my grandfather touched him on the shoulder and softly said, have faith. Two words, have faith. And my uncle, who was in great turmoil and great pain, whose face was ashen and twisted and turned, immediately had peace. And there was transformation in his life. You see, he was healed. No, he did not get up. Physically healed? No. Spiritually lifted, yes. And that peace overcame him and he smiled. And just for a little while, he lived free again. Totally, totally free. And then he breathed his last and the Lord was there, and he stepped into his arms, and Jesus carried him home. Transformation, never too late. And another friend, first guy was my uncle, who, who was a parishioner of mine in Alexander, North Dakota, and he suffered from bone cancer 40 years. That's a long time. That's a real long time. He's the kind of guy that was in remission and hated to go see the doctors that he might tell them that he wasn't. And eventually, over that time, and as I pastored to him, he, he his... his uh, Cancer metastasized and went to his brain, and he, and he couldn't, he couldn't um, move around anymore. So he went to a home, and I ministered to him and was with him a lot there. You know, when I go to see people in a home or, or in a house, in a, in a hospital or a house, I like to go to houses because there's usually coffee and cookies. But no matter where it is, when I'm with, with a friend, a brother or sister in Christ... We have conversation, and then we have prayers, and then I remind him or her, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever, and God's got you. He's got you. <laughs> so this fellow was suffering, and, and I, I was there uh, 
doing a, a worship service in the, in the chapel one day, and I was talking about forgiveness and how much God forgives us, and then that, that forgiveness and that light of our, our, our baptism and the burning in our own souls that we could forgive too. Simple, right? How's that for you? You doing good with that? Well, he wasn't. And after that service, he came plowing up to me. He had a, he had a wheelchair with no motor on him, but he had good feet yet, and he was moving. And he said, Pastor, I don't like people, and I hate most of them. So how can I be assured that God loves me enough that I'm going to go to heaven? Is there salvation for me for 40, for 40 years of wreckage that I've put upon so many people? I said, there is salvation for you. Jesus loves you and cares about you, and you are a forgiven child of God. But for you, maybe you should think about that forgiveness and that opportunity this time and this window for you to, to transform those relationships. He didn't like that idea too well, but he did it anyway. And, and I was back about two weeks later, and he comes rolling up to me again, and this time he's not angry, and he's not shaking his fist, except to say, I did it. What'd you do? I called everyone whom I, whom I hated in my life, those that I could that aren't dead. There were a lot of them. It must have been a lot of them because it took him two weeks. But he was transformed, you see. He understood that God loved him so much he could forgive him. And the, and the anger that he had for all these people was just in him, not in the ones that he was mad at. And so the festering happened to him. It was as bad as the cancer in his bones. But he freed himself from that, and he was transforming. And even a couple of weeks later, then he was in his bed ready to meet his maker. He says, don't you suppose we should have Holy Communion? I said, I think you should. And I think we should. And we did. And then I made the sign of the cross upon his forehead and reminded him that he was a child of God. And he said, you know, I know that. And then, well, you had to know that he was Norwegian. What do you want? He said, I want you to do one favor for me. I said, yeah, what's that? He said, will you tell the man upstairs that I don't like green machinery in my pastures? pastures? I said, you've got to handle that yourself. And we had a good laugh. And we had joy. And we knew, both of us, that we were children of God. And I know he's having a great time in heaven now. And that, that worry that he had is all over. You know, those, those are individual things about baptism. And I think each and every single one of you have your own stories that you can tell or you can remind yourself of. But I want to talk about the community of baptism as well. You see, baptism is for us individually. It certainly is. But it's also for the whole community God's people, where when there's a baptism that happens there, huh? what are we reminded of? That all of us are children of God. And I want you to know that as the community of Mount Olive, you are living out your baptism, and the light is burning deeply within each and every single one of you. Some of you don't do anything within the church, and some of you do way too much. Huh? But all of you are gathered to worship and to be built up, and to know that you are children of God. And, and I want you to know that I'm an outsider, and I came back here because the first time I was here, I came with friends. They're sitting right over there. My wife and I came with friends. My wife, by the way, is feeling icky, so she's not here. And the welcoming that we got, not only stand up and tell us where you're from, but banter, hey, how are you? Why don't you have a cup of coffee? How about a donut? How about? That's welcoming. You want to see a vibrant church? Be a vibrant church in welcoming. That vibrancy comes from here, within the bowels of the church, and it extends out. And there are so many great ministries here as well. 
I'm going to brag on you a little bit. Is that all right? How about them Packers? I think that guy's from Minnesota. (laughs) You know, uh, several weeks ago we had a a, a pre-Christmas concert here. Did you all make that? Many of you just came and didn't. I wonder if that's still online. Can you still see that? Can you? Somebody tell us no. Not online. Nuts. Because if you didn't see it, you should have. This church is made up of so many different choirs. You know, ladies' choir sang last night. Beautiful. I joined... Is it chancel choir now, or is that what you guys are? Wonderful. Led by a real leader. That guy can play. And he's demanding. I see him. And and I got to say that I I said yesterday he was a wonderful pianist and organist, and he said that's the first time anybody's ever told me I was a wonderful organist. But you are. So there. And Brian put this together, and his, his knowledge of music and how it was presented was fantastic. And, and the choir sang, and, and there was a secular part with, with uh, 12 Days of Christmas. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. After, yeah, whatever. Really fun. And then there were personal uh, uh, witnesses about how the holiday and what the holiday meant to them. You see, it's, it's about that burning in our souls, that love of Christ in our souls that we, we have built up, and things like that just breathe new, fresh air into us. And your other ministries. You know, I, I'm not going to proclaim to know all of them. I just don't. I'm new here, you know. But but the Christmas time with Salvation Army and we had ringers out all over. I got to see people I knew that were ringing the bells. That was profound. Huh? Caring for God's people. And Advent time, we had Advent service and, and and services were built around giving, not receiving. And how and how much is how important it is for the the need for the giver to give. And those were profound evenings and just built so much. And then outside, there was a clothesline of names of children who were in need. And then we might take a card or two. And should I tell you what was on the two cards I picked up? Two young men wanted shoes. Not an Xbox or a new phone or any of those games. They wanted something to put on their feet. Wow. One said cool shoes, and I got to tell you, I'm at 75, I don't know cool. (laughs) So I hope, indeed, that what he got was important. Your ministries are profound, and and 
Tuesday morning, men to get, get together. And what day is it the quilters come together? Thursdays, and, and the woodworkers on Monday? And Wednesday? You don't get enough on Monday? You've got to go to Wednesday again? Good. Yeah. And all of those are important. There's men, men's gathering. I gotta, if you, any guys out there haven't come to that? We can expand it. We can come out here and, or we can be in the coffee room and you ought to come because it's where men get together and talk about their faith unabashedly hmm? with whatever they say, whatever they understand, and the burning of their guts. They express it, and it's great. Pastor Al says he's never been in a group like that ever, and i got to tell you, Al, me either. I'm so blessed to be part of that. Wow. And then, of course, Al's Thursday noon um, study. We're on the sacraments now, and it, I think up there it says four to six weeks, right? Isn't that what the message says? How long? I'll, I'm going for ten. The guy has got so much to give. He's got so much to give. You see, he knows he's a child of God. And he's reminded that of that every morning as he, as he takes a shower and sits on a stool. Right, Al? <laughs> he's washed clean like each and every one of you. And in that, he uses his gifts, and that's what we're all to use, is our abilities and our gifts, whatever they may be. They don't have to be profound. They just have to be sometimes a touch. A touch of grace and a promise of hope given by you through Jesus Christ who loves you, who brings you into the fold of baptism and surrounds you with his love. Amen? Amen. Amen. With your light burning deeply within you through Jesus Christ. As you go from this place, may the Lord go with you. Before you to guide you, behind you to encourage you, even give you a little shove once in a while, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over you, and deep within your souls, way down in there, to give you peace. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Oh, peace to the Lord. Thanks be God.